What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Where I Come From podcast. As I, Mr. Tone Death, I'm back in the building after this fake snowstorm that we just had <laughs> through my whole entire week off. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been rocking with me. I uh, definitely want to give a shout out to Aziza of P3 and Keeping the Cute Podcast, as well as Kanita Hickman um, from Katera for stopping in on that last episode we did, as well as Dilly from The Diva and the Nerve, who you heard in the background. I do have to apologize for the last two episodes. The audio in regards to both episodes have not been the best for multiple reasons but as you can see we have most definitely corrected that so going forward you will definitely have a better sounding episode and charge it to my skills not to my heart people i literally plan on making every episode going forward 10 times better than what you've heard already with that being said on with the show so this week i am doing something a little special. Um, I've recorded a bunch of episodes. Unfortunately, a lot of them are gonna be out of order because people, when they're fantastic, you definitely want to give them their shine as soon as possible. So I actually did an episode where I sat down with a group of local authors who all have independently written their own books, are working on their own projects, or are definitely taking the steps to use that platform of the pen and the paper and make it something bigger. Well, unfortunately, when I did that particular episode, a young lady who was supposed to be able to make it to the episode, who could not make it to the episode, hit me up and was so disappointed she couldn't be there. That said, you know what? I'm just gonna bring you in on your own. So you get a little favoritism today. So first of all, let's go ahead and let's introduce her. Let, you know, I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Thank you. So my name is Caprice. Okay. I go by KLG. That's my pen name. Okay. Um, to just jump right into it, give you a little bit of background about me. I'm a writer of all things, really. The first question that I always get is like, when did you start writing? Like, how long have you been writing? And it's been over 20 years, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't actually become a published author until late 2018. So just... So like less than two years ago. Yes. So during the course of this 18 years, what have you been doing with your work? Honestly, nothing. I write poetry. I have like tons of poetry books. I've written songs. I, you know, will record them on my phone and like have them there. Um, It's usually just personal, like personal growth. You write something, you reference it later, you grow from it. Um, even like short stories I've written, they they literally have just sat in notepads for years. Okay, so basically summed up in a nutshell, you write to release in so many words. Exactly. Okay. What's some of the most creative things that you've written in your mind? Whew, good question. Um, most creative, I would have to say um, the first published novel that I put out. Um, It's entitled I Choose You, um, and it's a three-part series, but it started off as me writing while on maternity leave, just too much time on my hands, all these thoughts, and this one conversation sparked this concept, and it became over 100,000 words of amazing story. 100,000, that's a lot of goddamn words. That's why it's a three-part series. Because when I first wrote it, it was like close to 90,000. And then my publisher was like, let's like split it in half. And then I was like, cool. So then we had these two stories that I released, but the story wasn't finished. So a couple months after I released it, the characters are like speaking to me and I have like this other angle I want to take. So another 50K comes out after that. So now it's a little over 100. So you're kind of making me jump around with my questions, but that's cool. That's cool. Okay. So how long did it take you to write this book, first of all? So I started handwriting like old school pen to pad 
hands um, cramping at three yes, o'clock in the morning. Yes, like all day, like pulling over in the car and like jotting down ideas. That process started um, in late September um, of 2016. Okay. I didn't actually get to a point in the book where I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to like type all this up and like, like this is gonna be like a real story right. until like sometime in 2017. It was probably like eight months down the line. I had been writing and writing and writing. And I'm like, I really want this to be like a real story. So I stopped probably like three quarters through handwriting it and then started from the beginning and started typing it. Okay. I'm a full-time worker at this point. I have two kids at this point. I have a personal life. So I'm literally finding time to type all this stuff that I've written. Right. Um, so that took a while. And then once I got everything like typed, I had to get back to the story and like get back into my creative mode. So it wasn't like a completed, like I didn't put the end on it until like spring of 2018. Okay. So I know we kind of jumped into it. Let's Let's go back to the beginning. Sure. Tell us about this book. So it is about a married couple, a young married couple, um, and they're doing pretty good for themselves, pretty successful, um, but they are like in, having this like rough patch. And the wife is, she's trying to like articulate to her husband like what the issues are, but he's really focused on his career and like getting them, you know, further in life. Right. And they have this real dry spell. Sex life has pretty much just turned all the way down right. there's really nothing there and the real plot starts when she starts looking elsewhere for what she can't mm. get from her husband and that spirals into this affair that she really bites off more than she can chew and she kind of like disconnects from her husband and it just takes you through the journey of not only her process with her affair but where her husband is during the whole time and all the things that she's missing while she's busy trying to cover up this affair well he has temptations and things that he's dealing with too so it kind of like takes you on that whole like emotional journey that's what's up now cool thing just listening to you talk about the book that sounds very relatable on so many levels for a lot of people, whether they are married or not married. I think uh, somebody can find a little bit of connectivity in regard to the characters right away. Right. Um, we've all been in a situation where we question the relationship. One person becomes a little bit more work orientated over the other one. Uh, relationships always will have communication issues, no matter how you want to look at it. Yeah. So with me asking pointing out all these things what um what are some of your places that you drew from in regards to creating these characters um a lot really um when i develop characters i'm really big on character development i don't like to just talk about you know what she looks like or what he you know dresses like i really try to like connect so it does it's a process because i'm pulling from parts of myself i'm, I'm pulling from experiences that could go back 10 years to something I just experienced a month ago. I'm thinking about the conversations I have with my friends, mm -hmm. with coworkers. Um, I literally pull from everything. I could be watching something on TV and be like, that seems like something this character would do. And then okay. my character will develop from there. So it's literally, it. there is no one character that you'll ever read from me that is based on any individual person. Um, one of the characters in my book, she literally is like a mixture of me and a couple of my best friends. I was going to ask you that. Are you in this book? No, I never. Because of my creative space, um, I don't I don't like to write about me. Okay. You know, like I like to write about, you know, how I view things, my perspective of right. things. So there are parts of me that are in this girl, you okay. know, and then there are parts of one of my best friends that is, that's in this girl. And then there's parts of my sister that's in this girl. Right. But it's the same thing, like from the wife to the best friend to the husband, there are multiple people that I utilize to create this one person. Right. Because if you base the character that you're writing about off of a real person, you know, there's no creative flow. You're just gonna sure. make them act just like this person. Well, and the reason why I ask that particular, or I bring that up is, um, Tyler Perry is a prime example. Um, in his early years when he was basically doing Medea full time, mm -hmm. in so many words, they asked him like, well, where does the Medea character come from? And he said it's based on his mom's and her friends. So it's a little bit of what he's seen growing up 
in their behaviors that he put into this character. So whenever I ask, uh, whenever I speak to somebody who's writing a book or doing a play or trying to create a, scre- uh, a screenplay, I ask them like, where did the character come from? Um, especially with the fact of black imagery is so important right now. Um, I like to know where people are pulling these things from. Right. Um, in your writing process, have you ever? Well, the answer should be yes, but you know we never know. During your writing process, have you ever gotten so emotionally involved in a character that you have to actually stop because of what you've invested into it already? Absolutely. Um, the reason why this series is so important to me is because I was very patient with it. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I didn't feel like I had a deadline to meet. Um, I got really attached to my characters because. As I developed them, like this marriage became like real to me. So I have this, you know, this wife who is dealing with an affair, but like I want this marriage to work. So I'm trying to write this storyline to attach people to it, but I'm fighting the fact that like, man, but they really love each other. Okay, so does that make it seem very difficult? Because, okay, when you write about relationships, Mm -hmm. okay, we have to speak about relationships from the point of view that we look at relationships unfortunately relationships are sometimes predetermined by what society say they are right like you're supposed to date with the intentions of getting married all right or when you're in marriage you're not supposed to have or do a b c d but now we live in a society where it's open relationships now and polygamy is being accepted or people are saying well you can go out and get a b c over here because I can't give that to you, but just make sure you don't bring nothing home we can't take care of or get rid of. See, and here's my thing about it. The beauty behind writing for me is I don't have to write a storyline that I necessarily believe in. I don't have to practice a polyamorous lifestyle to write about a poly couple. Correct. Um, I don't have to be married to write about a married couple. I don't have to be sad to write about a couple that's dealing with infidelity. You know, so you have to let your mind really go outside of you. So you keep yourself at the center of it because you want it to be a fluid story, but you have to allow yourself that space to like push. You have to push. If you're not pushing the envelope, then you'll start hitting all your stories will be the same. Because I mean, how many different stories can you tell about where you are looking out the window at life? It's going to start getting a little repetitive. But if I look out your window and I look out my sister's window and my co-worker's window, the view gets a little different and I put it all in my bag and it'll come out maybe this year, maybe next year, but it's all getting stored somewhere. Okay. Okay. I like that. So you said that you're a full-time worker. Yes. You're a mother of two. I am. You have a personal life. We're just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. How was juggling all of that and trying to write at the same time it was it was really complicated um, honestly the first year of me being signed to a publishing company um, it was it was beautiful but it was exhausting Um, one of the biggest you know issues with being signed versus being independent is that you do have someone who's kind of coaching you along the way making sure that like you're doing what you need to do so I had the freedom to write what I wanted to write but if I started a book in January I couldn't just sit on it until September like I did with my original work because I wasn't signed then I could just do it when I wanted Um, so I was constantly putting myself like on a a schedule like I had timers in my phone where I was like from this time to this time every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to write this many words. Um, And I would have these, you know, you have word counts. So Uh you have like, you know, say, for example, I want this to be like one single book from like completion. My goal is minimum to have 65,000 words. So I have to figure out how much I got to write every week to have this book done in six weeks. Mm. Um, which seems easy if you are a full-time writer, but if right. you work a 40-hour work schedule and you have kids who are in you know, activities and then you have stuff that you're doing, and I have, you know, I volunteer, I'm on a board for a nonprofit, I do a lot of stuff. So I was like having a hard time keeping up and it got to the point where I didn't even want to be signed anymore. I was just like, I want to write for fun when I feel like it. I can't meet these deadlines. And I like breached my contract and was like, 
I done gave y'all this many books. Like, I can't do it how y'all want me to do it. I'm gonna, it's not therapeutic. If it, and that was a job. Right, and that's, that was now gonna be I'm my next question. Now I'm clocking in. That was gonna be my next question. Being with a cousin, the other episode where I had all the other writers, <clears throat> all of them are independent, meaning that they publish their books on their own using Amazon as well as, you know, other different types of ways. And you're the only person that I've spoken to so far who's actually had a publishing company. Right. So question number one, and I think you kind of answered this a little bit, what was it like dealing with a publishing company? And number two, how do you even go about getting the publishing company for those who are listening who might want to go that route? Sure. I'm going to answer your second question first because it's 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 a quicker answer. Mm-hmm. Um, finding a publishing company, um, if you're active on social media, that's the easiest way. Right. Um, you can, on Instagram, Facebook, you can search these people. Um, usually their Facebook title or their Facebook page will have them listed in some type of group. Um, I honestly found the company that I'm with because one of my old friends was signed to her and I loved what both of them wrote. Right. So the important factor is if you want somebody to be like your mentor and be your publisher, you want to know if they write material that you respect, like, can follow. Right. Um, so that's how I got where I was. So it's really just a research thing. Okay. Um, there are a lot. There's a lot going on in the industry right now, honestly, where people's books are getting pulled off Amazon and like business can get sketchy and contracts can be a big thing. So it's a business deal. It's right. not just like y'all just talk about it. There's paperwork, there are obligations. So it's something to really think about. But there are pros to it. And the biggest pro is you're getting like a immediate mentor, somebody right. who's been writing and publishing and knows how to do this. So that you can just be an artist. You could just write. You, I'm literally writing. I'm editing my work just roughly. And then I'm sending it to my publisher. And then they fully edit it. They get it, you know, uploaded. They post it out. I have a whole promo team behind me to help me get my stuff out there. So you just have this, like, really, like, close-knit support system. Okay. Whereas when you go independently, you get to, you know, do everything on your own. You get to pick your cover. You get to, you know, pick your title. You get to pick how long, how short the book is. You just hand it over to Amazon and you promote how you want to promote. So it really depends on what you're looking for in it. Okay. So that brings up another question I have when it comes to dealing with publisher. Because it is an entity that's, they're doing all the work for you. Do you feel that, especially during that editing process or that revision process, that they're sometimes trying to change your work? That happens a lot. That hasn't been my experience. Um, One of the reasons I chose who I chose was because, um, and she will tell you, I asked like a thousand questions before I signed my contract. I was sending it over to people that I knew, like, look at this. Let me know if this looked like funny Um, because I I just don't play with signing my name or anything. As you shouldn't. Um, But one of the biggest conversations I had was about creative control. And there's a whole passage on the contract about what can be edited and editing can only be done in my contract to the extent of fixing something for clarity it can't change the like content or like the integrity of the work so you can't they can't edit out my plot and be like nope write about this instead they can't edit out a whole character right but maybe my my passage didn't flow and they're like worded this way and and then they always send it back to me to review before it's final so i've never had anything get uploaded that i hadn't seen first okay no, because the reason why I asked that particular question, because um, one of the other authors, they initially wanted to do a publishing company. And I guess when they sat down and they seen the contract and they got to the creative control part of it, and I guess it was more than what they were willing to accept, that they said, nah, that's cool. And they went independent in regards to it. Just, you know, with you having a publisher, I do have, like, those questions that are still hitting there. Yeah. I apologize there. That's okay. Me up right <laughs> like, I'm normally. And plus, my questions are on the other phone, so I got to switch between the two. Um, my mind went blank. <laughs> Give me a minute. That's okay. Uh, okay. So, you said you have two kids. Are they toddlers? Are they older? I have a nine-year-old son, and I have a three-year-old daughter. So does your nine-year-old son know about what you write about? He knows that I write. Okay. He knows that I write fiction. Okay. Um, I don't, he doesn't know much more than that. Okay. The reason why I ask that question is because, once again, the other group, we had 
toddlers all the way up to young adults. Um, one particular author, Trina Nicole, who her book, which is about Fly Girl with Fibro, uh, dealing with that. In the story, she talks about uh, dealing with her boyfriend, which is their father, uh, through that whole entire episode. And while going through that book, some troops came out that the son didn't know about before. So I know since you write fiction, more so than nonfiction, there's not too much truth in it but when your families and your friends do read their books do they kind of start taking some of the stuff personal as in wait a minute this sounds like me i i haven't had that experience i think it i think it really comes from my history of writing because okay. it's kind of like ghostwriting. if i were to write for somebody i would want it to sound like them and not sound like me writing for them right so when i take parts of people I still have to put my creative spin on it. I don't think anybody has read something I've written and been able to say like, with certainty, like, oh, this sounds like me. Because I, if I wanna take a infidelity situation, maybe a coworker told me about a specific incident she experienced. I'm not gonna write that specific incident. I'm gonna use the part of it that's really, really touching to me, and I'm gonna make it mine. Because when you read someone's work that's fiction, it should never feel like you're actually hearing a real life story that's already been told. That kind of defeats the purpose. True. Um, but I know for a fact I've had my friends be like call me about stuff like that one scene between them two. That sounded like how me and you talk, and I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to sound like that. You're supposed to feel like these are two homegirls, like really like you know they really know each other they got a real friendship so it's supposed to sound like us because the only people i'm talking to that comfortably are my close homegirls right so they do feel it they do see like the that's how me and you go back and forth when we like checking each other like they see it but it's never specific enough to where they can feel like attacked i don't okay. think see that that was one of my things and i don't think that you would write like that yeah but um i do have a couple of other friends who are actual well-published authors um, that has a series of things um, and when I was speaking to her when I was first coming up with the concept of doing these two episodes I asked her like when you write your stories how much do you pull from your personal life and she's like well some of the characters are really based on real people like 100% based on these actual people even one of the stories that she wrote was based on about a three month span in her own personal life of when she was kind of in her whole face. Yeah. Okay. Even though the names were changed to protect the innocent kind of a situation. Yeah. She still wrote it as if like, this is what was going on during these three months. I won't say her name only because she hasn't publicly told nobody but me. So if I were to say her name, you go and look at all her work, you'd be like, okay, it's got to be these two books right here. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put her out like that. But, and that makes me think, like, do people really put their personal, like, how much of their personal life is in their books? Because we've even had TV shows where an author is literally writing the TV series, but they're, prime example, I didn't notice that, um, the remake for Leave with the Beaver, this is how old I am. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. How I Met Your Mother. That's the show I was thinking of. That whole story, that whole show is a guy literally talking to his kid, telling about his past. And I'm like, books are like that too sometimes. Yeah. Right? Especially when we're talking about an infidelity book, which I got to give me a copy of that book. <laughs> so, because I have my past. I, I got you. I got past. you. But like you're tacking me, I don't even know. <laughs> no, um, so you kind of answered a lot of my questions just because you're flowing, you're flowing freely, and I'm jealous because now I gotta find new questions to ask you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Um, about your independent works, the stuff that you technically have in the vault. Do you ever plan on releasing any of that? I do. Um, I have a lot of writing goals. I have, okay. you know, stuff that I'm gonna publish with my publisher. I have some fiction work that I'm going to release independently as well, um, collaborations and things like that. Okay. But I do at one point want to get all of my poetry and have a collective work of poetry that I publish. Um, some of the short stories that I've written that like are not finished, I have plans to like finish those and like release that stuff, even if it's not 
being published. I have like reading groups on Facebook and like just dropping them there just to get feedback and have people just have something of mine to read while they're waiting on a release. Um, I even want to at some point like write some children's books like with my kids. like have my own like Junie B. Jones series, but like for the black I girls. I bought those for my daughter too. Yeah, they still, you know, they still just got that place in our heart. But I feel like the world's changing and like that's what we grew up on. But little girls do want to see stories told from their perspective. And having a little girl, I would love to see a little brown girl with kinky hair on the cover okay. of a book and just know what, what it's like for her. So That actually might be a good book. Yeah. Just writing a book about growing up with a black girl with kinky hair. Yeah, it's a story in itself. It is. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm actually going to do an episode where I have a bunch of natural hair women just talk about their experience with natural hair. Yeah, call me when that one's scheduled. Oh, you definitely definitely have (laughs) you for that one. I got to bring you. You helped me create it, so I got to bring you. Yeah, I got you. Um, As a writer, who's been some of your influences I, so I started reading um, the genre that I write probably at an inappropriate age, like most of us, when we were like you ninth are, grade. You out here, here listening, reading Zane books? Yep, I started. Well, I didn't start with Zane. I think most of us started with Fly Girl. Um, that was like a really popular book. They just got passed around high school. I don't even remember. It might have been Omar Tyree who wrote that. Don't quote me on that. But that got passed around the high school like freshman year. Um, so that was like the start of like, oh, I like this is like really like some juicy stuff going on. Um, Zane is she's in everyone who is like trying to be a part of this world. We all know what she's doing. We all have like a level of respect for her. Um, but the first person that I read who really like inspired me was Mary B. Morrison. Okay. She just her writing style was just super dope to me. Like she was just able to like make me really feel characters and like I would hate people and I know she wanted me to hate them, but I would love parts of them. And she just had a way of um, stringing storylines along without it being like excessive. Cause that sounds like very familiar, but keep going. Yeah, um, but my absolute like favorites are Ashley and Jaquavis. They are um, they are what's called urban fiction. Hey, that's, um, I love that category. Yeah, and it's it's funny because some people consider urban fiction like if the the writer of the fiction is urban, then yeah. it's urban fiction. No. And then some people are like, no, it has to be like street literature, like kind of like you know. One of my other what one of my other author friends out of Chicago, uh, Jessica Watkins, she is literally like that's her thing. Yeah, and uh, shout out to her because her first book series she wrote uh secrets of a uh, side bitch it's getting ready to be turned into a movie nice see that's gold yeah and uh that's actually what got me hooked on urban fiction uh i was messing with her one day about that because the main character i really like when i read her that that series i'm like this needs to be a tv show because the development of the main character literally needs to be fleshed out you can't put it into a movie yeah like the way she wrote that character and then the fact that even within that one story it was so many twists and turns i'm like okay maybe it do need to be a movie because like the shock and all but no 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 it needs to be a netflix series yeah she spent it off and actually ended up making a couple of more books on the side off that same story and it grew and then the whole urban fiction genre just stuck with me and one of my like I'm a person who used to like really read heavenly back in the days uh, like Alice Walker uh, Toni Morrison yeah. uh, Carl Weber of course you know all the greats I, I've read did of course you know you still got to get those ones where like as a black person it's got to be in your collection you got to have that you know that W.E.B. Du Bois yeah. and uh, that my autobiography of Malcolm X you know a couple other Alex Haley books you have to read the roots not only watch the movie you know stuff <laughs> like that growing up in that household and I always gravitated back to urban fiction books because if an urban fiction novel is written correctly you should be able to relate to it yep if it's written correctly you can sense the area that's in you can sense the scenery you can feel the characters yes a lot of times the writing is very dumbed down like it's 
basic as, as basic as fuck. Okay, sum it up in a nutshell if it's done properly. But I think that's the whole purpose of it because we're not going to use big articulate words when we're talking about an urban setting because most of the people who are going to read your book don't understand what some of them words are. But see, here's where my writing style is slightly different okay. because I... I'm really big on like setting the scene and like, you know, making stories relatable. I do think that that's that's the meat of like writing urban fiction. Right. Um, but I'm not afraid to articulate through my work. Um, one of the biggest struggles I had when I first started writing, I think, was finding the like balance between how I speak as a writer mm -hmm. and how I speak. As, a, as person. a person. Okay. Because when I'm writing my literature, this is my baby. This is my work. So I want it to sound, you know, great. I want it to, you know, be put together well. But when I'm talking to my homegirl and I'm talking to my dude, I don't talk like that. Exactly. I, so I had to find my balance between narrating in a very eloquent way to where like, yep, I can have my little moment where I show y'all like I really can write like this is the genre I choose, but I really can write. And then showing you that I'm not going to write so heavily to where you can't just like let the conversations flow. So okay. it was it that was a process for me. OK, yeah, because um, I'm trying to remember uh, the precious movie. It was based on an actual book. Right. Written by what's her name? Sapphire. Yep. Um, I actually read the book before the movie even came out. And one of the unique things I liked about that book was it grew in its writing styles in the book. Um, you definitely had a semi-illiterate person in the beginning in Precious Character. And if you've seen the movie, you know that over time her personal growth transitions in the movie where she kind of grows up right well in the writing style of the book the same thing happened you can see her going from simple basic fifth grade type writing to when you get to the end it's a very it's a more articulate way that she was telling the story right and i had to actually read the book a couple of times to really catch that that was going on yeah because i was more so into the story and now realizing like okay wait a minute hold on she's doing something completely different here yeah and the same thing like same thing with alice walker one the color purple i read that book before i ever seen the movie my mom would let me watch the movie she made me read the book first I had to tell my mom, you know, this book is way more graphic than the movie. And no one, no one knows that like the books are usually anytime something's ever been turned into a film, right. the book is going to be way more detailed. It's going right. to be a little more graphic. You don't have the visual aspect, but your brain is going to go where the book tells like, you to I'm go. I'm sitting here like uh, the opening line of this book is about her virginity being taken this yep. is this is what you want me to read and it's more intimate when you're reading it it's true, because you can read that same passage five times in not a lot of time but the right. movie you just gotta let the movie right out and the thing about that particular book and i think that's what really made me stay with reading that book was it wasn't written as a book yeah it was letters it was letters that she had written or journal entries in so many words uh yeah they were journal entries to herself if i'm not mistaken no, no, no. They were letters to her sister. Yeah. I know. I think it was both. Now I think about it. You gonna have me going back and read? I'm gonna have to go back and read my damn self. Right. Make a mess. Hold on. It's like I think it because I know she said dear something and she was reading. Yeah. It was. It was letter form. It was not a story. It was letters. So I think they were journal entries. But then I also think they were letters she eventually was writing to her sister. Because if you've seen the movie, you know they got split up. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you <know>. Me and you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but her style was that that was a very unique book. So I'm I'm a huge fan of reading and giving a new story an opportunity to grow on me. I know there are certain people that you just automatically like you like Je like for an example, Jessica, I just randomly picked up her audio book. That's how I ended up getting into her. And the first two books were definitely on the audio. The third one, I had to physically go get the Kindle copy of it. Yeah. Because she, I was mad at her. I was like, dog, why is this book not on? I was like, give it a minute. And it eventually came on audio. I was like, at that point in time, I had read it. And then the fourth one never made it to the audio book. 
and I was mad. <laughs> so I ended up buying that book too because she had wrote the story so well that by the fourth one, I had to find out what was going to happen to Simone. Like, okay. And that's, kinda, that's the goal. We that's just want to trap y'all to where you just can't stop and with the story. Did. The first book got me good because what ended up happening to the main, because first of all, her world building was fantastic. It was literally two locations that you really cared about in the whole book, but she built that location so well that mentally I seen that stoop. I seen that apartment. I seen that block. I seen that trap house. I can picture that whole scenario. I can picture the pregnant baby mama having issues going up and down the stairs. Visually, I was there. So when we got to the end of the story and then I got to the point of what happened and then I found out Simone. Just believe it there. Yeah. Okay. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this other book at? I need information. And then in the second book, she literally gave me what I wanted, but she left me with another cliffhanger. It was like, okay. This bitch can't get away with this. Those are my favorite. You know, like, hold on. No, 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 no. She she living too good right now. Something got to happen. This is not how you're going to end this series. I know I know. you wrote the second one and the third one at the same time because ain't no way in hell you're just going to leave us with this happy spot right here. And that's the thing. People think that sometimes it's, like, strategic, like we dropping books and then right. like making our way. Sometimes the character be done with us. And we we cliffhang it because we don't have nowhere to go at that moment. And so it's not it. always like this, like master plan. Sometimes we'd be like, "This is what we got." Yeah, because one of the, like on the other episode, the young lady was like, "Sometimes she writes characters, and when she's writing, and she doesn't feel that there's more for that character, that's where she leaves that character at." Yeah. Uh, and she said she's done that with a few of them. Some of them have. They have great stories that everybody follows, but they're just, that character doesn't say we have any more. So they have to stop and it, it causes issues in regards to it. Um, I am getting such a headache right now. Cause Aww. I'm thinking and I'm thinking hungry. Too hard. So, thinking <laughs> and I'm hungry. Cause majority of the questions that I have for you that I really had laid out for you, you, you definitely answered them on your own, which I'm glad that this makes this episode so much easier to edit. Uh, <laughs> As a writer, what some of the tips that you would give up and coming writers who are trying to get into this? Um, that's a really good question. Um, tips. The one of the biggest things I wish I would have known right away is how important um, outlining is. Um, I had I thought because like I just came from a place of always writing that right. writing a whole novel would be easy or not easy but simple Mm -hmm. um to where i could just let it flow but what i realized is when you outline carefully enough to at least have like the format of where you want to go with your story if that's on paper you save yourself a lot of time you save yourself a lot of headache you hit less roadblocks um and i would just say to write to completion that's my goal for 2020 because i'll start a book and they ain't talking about nothing. I'll start another one. They ain't talking about nothing either. And I'll bounce from all these storylines that I have. Um, but the reality is I'm just not committing to it because right. I don't want to do the work and outline the actual story. Because <laughs> okay. that takes time. You got to sit for a couple of days and really figure out how these characters are connected. And, you know, you want to have one character have two siblings. But, like, you got to really think about, like, age differences. Like, they got the same mom, same dad. Where were they raised? It gets really deep when you're in that, like, writing space. Right. And if you just take out the time in the beginning to structure it out, it's easier. Cause I'll be like halfway through a story and, and start thinking like, well, I don't even know how these two people are even friends. Like, I don't know when they met. Like, is, are they new friends, old friends? And you stop feeling connected the to the mo- story. What's the moment that made them be tight? Yeah, and then you just, you, then you lose connection. You can't write a good story if you're not connected to your characters. Okay. So what's next for you? So um, for me, I have several books that I will be releasing this year. Um, I did sign back to my previous publisher. Um, she went independent, so I went back to her because okay. she's my fave. So um, I have... Um, you can plug her if you want to. Nakia Presents. Hey, Nakia. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to my pen sisters. 
but um yeah so i have some some stuff i'm gonna publish um and all of my works are available on amazon so if you have kindle unlimited you can um access all of my stuff for free um but yeah i also have hard copies that i get like paperbacks periodically Um, my goal this year is to um visit a couple of book events and network i actually want to host a book event um at some point i have some people who are like really supporting me and like just won't you you put one together i might have the space i really just need access to the other authors which you probably can help help me with because um my publishers is based in georgia and a lot of my pen sisters don't live here so i know people who write but i don't know any milwaukee authors other than a couple so yeah so i want to do that i want to get i want to get us all together on one platform and talk about our work and have an opportunity to get our work out there Um, but i'm also getting into screenwriting this year so um, that's like my biggest focus is just learning more about that so that i could take off and be, you know, I'm trying to be like Tyler Perry. Okay, so if you get into screenwriting, I got the perfect screenplay for you to write. Do you? Okay, we're gonna talk about this right here. Okay, let's chat. Cause me and my boy been talking about this for a while. So okay. the name of my screen, the name of my screenplay is called Broken Blunts and Bad Bootlegs. Oh goodness. What? I like where this is going already. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically what it is, is it's, it's literally in so many words, one bad day for this guy okay so i don't know how i'm I'm working on the outline of how i want to lay it out but i got some key scenes already in my head done basically young man starts his day off he has a basic everyday retail job prior to before his day started i guess whatever the hell happened the night before he and his girlfriend broke up he's late for work today because he overslept this car's not working so he relies on his friend to come get him during the process of him for his friend coming to get him who too also works in the mall okay Okay. i haven't figured out what kind of job he has in the mall yet though but he works in the mall too his friend basically somehow tells him that he kind of wild out the night before and he blames it on the strand of weed that he let his buddy try for the first time (laughs) so throughout this whole entire day he's trying to in so many words recover from what happened last night, but still trying to repair the damage of it, even though he don't know what happened. During the process, he does meet a new young lady that I guess gave him his number last night, and he don't know what he did with it. So he's trying to find a way to get in contact with this girl, trying to meet with her. Halfway through the process, he does end up getting in contact with her, and he tries to go on a date with her. The, the final results of things from the night before play a factor in this whole date. So this like the hood like hangover. It's kind of <laughs> it's now that I explain it out loud, it does sound like it can go that route. But it's just one bad day. Okay. It's so are you day. going for drama, comedy? What vibe are you trying to go See, for? See, and here's the crazy part, because I feel like it needs to be comedy. Just when you think about it, it's definitely a Friday. It's kind of a That's vibe, the vibe I to was it. Getting, yep. But if with the right person, yeah, the person sitting across from me, I could probably turn it into a damn good drama. I'm good with both because I'm I'm serious, but I'm I'm kind of funny. So I see that. Yeah. I see that. But you know, we'll we'll talk more. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. Let's work. Because I want to make that happen. Because if I make that happen, I'll go ahead and put your name on the bottom of it. Cut you a couple of checks. But yeah, that's I'm, that's I'm what I'm trying like to have that. happen today. A couple of <laughs> checks. So you have, and I just went to my Kindle Unlimited. You have about five books out. Correct. All right. Tell me about this "I Choose You" series. So "I Choose You" is the one I was telling you about right. with the married couple. Um, okay. That's anytime people ask me about my work, I'm always like, read that first. That's gonna give you an idea of if you like how I write. Um, it's really like it's hard to not vibe with it. Okay. Um, one of the the constant comments I got about um, people who read the whole series um, was the emotional roller coaster took them on because okay. they're how they felt about one character at one point changed, how they felt about the character in the second book changed, and then the third book, which is the finale, that kind of pulls it all together. Um, Everybody was all over the place emotionally, myself included. Um, so 
it's one of those books that if you are a reader, even if you're not a reader, if you just have the patience to actually complete reading, you'll enjoy it because it is, it's funny, it's cute. You're going to feel like you're reading about your homegirls talking about their life, but it's deep. And okay. it for people who have dealt with this type of stuff, it will hit some some sensitive spots. So I feel like it just hits all the, you know, it's light, but it's heavy. All right. You ever thought about putting it in audible form? I haven't, um, only because I haven't. I just really, I honestly just got into like audiobooks. Yeah, audiobooks is gonna. They're be the amazing, new way. right? They're the new way. But I'm super old school. Like I'll buy something. Like I've, the books I've even read on audio, I have paper copies of them, like mm-hmm. hard copies of them. So um, that's something I'll probably talk about um, because I don't even know the process of doing that yeah, within my that. contract. But I know people are always like, I don't even read. Like I can't. I don't read. I, I would love to be like, well, just listen. All right. And the reason why I, I bring that up is, like you said, some people. They just don't have the time to sit yeah. down and read. And an audio book is depth because we're in the age of podcasting. I mean, you're, you're sitting on one right now. Right. So if you think about it, if a person can sit down for an hour and listen to an interview, imagine two hours of listening to your book. Yeah. Because there are some podcasts that they're literally nothing but short. There is a podcast called Black Widow Podcast. And all it is is small, short stories from authors turned into a small mini drama oh that's dope see that's all it is it's literally like the guys the people that are responsible for black widow podcast they have their own little series that they're doing in between there but every once in a while they'll have like readers submitted episodes where somebody submitted like a novelette to them and they turned it into a little small mini scene yeah and it's really dope it got me really got me intrigued and i'm like this is pretty dope. And then when you take audiobooks, like I said, with Jessica's uh, Secrets of a Side Bitch, that's what made me really get into her. Because when I talked to her about her book, she's like, well, I got an audio version here. You can listen to it while you're at work. Yeah. And I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. As a busy person like I am, I might not be able to have time to sit there and read, but I can listen. And it's how I edit my stuff. Right. I literally edit by listening to it on Word or on an app. Right. Because I don't have the time to read my whole book after right. I just wrote it. And then the great thing about Audible is you can be the person who reads it. Because uh, Tiffany Haddish's autobiography. Yeah. I wasn't going to buy it. Not that I don't, you know, wouldn't want to buy it. I, I wasn't, I just didn't want to buy it. Yeah. But I was able to get the audio book and she read her own autobiography. So it felt more personal that I could relate to it. You can get other people to actually read it because the two, the two people who did um, Jessica's books are phenomenal. Like, even though it was the same girl doing all the female voices and the same guy doing all the guy voices, their fluctuation in their voices and their differentiation in their voices definitely made a difference in regards to each character and I felt each character. So something like a three part book like this to be at least the first book be in audio form, guarantee your numbers will go up. No, I like that idea and I'm 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 gonna look into that look into for real. Alright. Yeah. So tell us tell me about the her love ain't hood enough for a thug. So let me leave with this. Um, that book, along with the other book that I have released, are both going to get re-released with different titles at some point this year. Okay. Um, these were two of the books that I released under my previous contract. Um, the title, I Hate. So there's that. The story is dope, though. Um, and it's about a young girl in a relationship with this guy who... Um, He's he's a fuck boy. Honestly, that's the only way I can really explain him. But she loves him and she wants a future with Don't him. Don't they usually always? <laughs> yeah, they always love the fuck boy. They do. And I try to. I, I write about all different type of male characters, but I I I made sure this character drew y'all got to see how I felt about fuck boys because he's mm. like, he he's he's he takes it to the next level. They always um, do. Yeah. So they have this relationship and she's really dedicated and he just isn't and he has this girl from his past who he's always kind of had this thing for who has played with his heart and then she pops back up and wants to give him a shot and now he's like all crazy about her are you sure you didn't write about ghost power no I, ghost not a fuck boy ghost has fuck boy ways he is not a fuck boy drew listen 
I'm gonna make sure that one's audio so you can listen to it so you can see what I <laughs> mean. That's the first one you want. I mean, audio. he plays in her face in this book, um, so and what go, he doesn't. So Ghost didn't play in Tasha's face. Tasha was hoeing though, so because he Brooke, wasn't taking care of Ghost. Brooke, Brooke is a young girl who go to work, pay bills, take care of her household, and she has this man who's living in her house who won't pay the bills and won't take care of the household. That's cheating on her. Okay, that's, Ghost that's wasn't doing that. Ghost was taking care of home. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he, he did a little be, bit. He was still being a fuck, but I, I mean, he did have some. He did have some fuckboy moments. But Drew just one hundred percent is that. Um, Brooke can't see it, and um, he doesn't realize that Brooke is kind of crazy. Like she, she come from some a rough upbringing, and her scope of boundaries is really off. So when she finds out what he's doing, she loses her fucking mind. And that book will let you know just what losing her mind looks like. So when you make this into audio form, can you have Taraji P. Henson do her oh, voice? Oh, Taraji would be great to do Brooke's voice. Okay. So who would you do as Drew then? So if we got Taraji, who Ooh, you gonna pick who for? Who got a fuckboy voice? Damn. Shamar Moore. Shamar Moore does. He does just sound <laughs> like he ain't never up to no good. Just a sweet talker. That's that light skin. The character is based on a light skin pretty boy, too. Then, you know what? Let's go ahead. Let's wrap this episode up before I say something that lose about four listeners. Uh, all right. So, your work is already out there. We can definitely follow you. We can look into it. Uh, you can buy hard copies, you can buy digital copies. Where else can they get a hold of you at? So I'm on Instagram at KL.G. It's K-A-Y-E-L-L-E dot G-E-E. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Facebook under Caprice, K-A-P-R-I-C-E. Um, I have an author page on Facebook. It's um, KL the author. So like that, follow that. Um, I'm always dropping like sneak peeks and um, I try to keep it fun so if you are a reader and you're like following me you'll have opportunities to like leave a review and be entered in like a drawing and win a gift card yeah um i know it's cute um and i also have a um reading group on facebook it's called Mm. klg as the pages turn so if you are interested in being a part of that find me on facebook um, but yeah, that's that's it. And um, this year it'll be easy to find me because I'm telling you, I'm going to have some events that I attend and promote and put together. Um, and I hope to meet with other local people so that we can really like show the Milwaukee scene that we have some writers out here. We do. We do. And my goal is to expose them yes. in a positive light. That's why I started this particular podcast compared to all the rest of the ones that are on my network. Much appreciated. So I definitely want to thank you for coming through. Make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms. Like, retweet, post, tell the whole world about this episode. Give us a five-star rating. I really don't care if you do or you don't, but just everybody else says it. I'm going to say it too. With that being said, people, we are out of here tonight. Peace. Thank you.